0: Episode of the Frosty and Perenny podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost, and it is one of our favorite times of year. It is the Frosty Live Tour. Now, your co-host Tony Perenni, he's off doing his own thing uh, with his new partner. And so we'll see. We'll see if we uh bring Tony back on. Uh right now his name's still on the podcast, but he's off too, and I'm quoting what he said here. Uh, I'm too big for this podcast. I'm going to do new things. So, you know, hey, uh, wish Tony the best of luck with, uh, with that crappy podcast over there, whatever they're doing. But we got big things going on here on the Frosty Live Tour. And our first stop is in Cleveland, Ohio, where we bring on one of our beloved league members and movie enthusiast. Kevin Hulick, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here and uh, excited to talk movies.
0: Yeah. So, hey, the Frosty and Pretty podcast goes to the movies this week. We have the Oscars, Kevin, on Sunday, April 25th, and – uh it's it's a very abnormal Oscars year this year, as as a lot of things are abnormal. We know this. We've been living this for, for over a year now. Uh, but, but what makes this year of the Oscars so different than years past?
1: Well, so I guess the big thing is you couldn't really go to the movie theaters this year. So a lot of big movies pulled out and weren't in the theaters that were supposed to be. For instance, uh, you know, they pulled out a lot of Marvel's movies, and now those aren't necessarily Oscars movies. But I think we'll see next year that there's one. It's called The Eternals. It might actually be in the Oscars race next year. Uh, Another good example is the movie, this upcoming movie called The French Dispatch, which would have been up for a lot of these awards. There's also a remake of West Side Story that could have been up for these awards. So it it was different in that aspect. You know, most of these movies, we have eight Best Picture nominees this year, and let's see About half of them came out only on streaming services like Netflix or Amazon. Uh, so, you know, that was another another weird wrinkle this year. The eligibility window was extended till the end of February. So we had a lot of changes this year, but I still think we have a very good very good field, a great crop, and the Frosty podcast. You know, I I think it's just they're making the right decision to cover these Oscars.
0: Yeah, you know, hey, a little bit outside of our wheelhouse, but listen, our our listeners, our listeners,
1: when I think Frosty podcast, I think television and movie <laughs> awards. I'm just waiting for the Emmy show.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, if you want to win podcast awards, you have to be willing to cover some of the other awards. Uh, so, you know, hey, li- our listeners want to want to learn more. They want to know what they're looking for when they tune in on Sunday. Now, something that, that that hit me there, Kevin, because this is, I think, where my internal struggle has been with some of these award shows, you know, so so you're telling me that that some of these movies that didn't come out would have been, you know, kind of major um, had major nominations. And so, yeah, I guess. How did how do you know that? Because. In my mind, like, well, how do you know if the movie hasn't come out yet? Is it just based off of the cast, based off of the the director, the writers? How, how, like, what do you have to say? Hey, this movie,
1: they're gonna win some awards. You know, part of it is a lot of it's the director, and a lot of it's the cast. You know, uh, a great example is a few years ago, a Super Bowl ad. Netflix paid for a Super Bowl ad for the movie The Irishman, which was by Martin Scorsese and had Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. There was actually no – there was no clip of the movie or anything. They hadn't they hadn't gotten that far in filming or anything where they could actually put together a trailer. It was just like a 30-second ad that explained what the movie was. And from that, the fact that they paid for a Super Bowl ad for that movie sight unseen – everyone knew that that movie was going to be a huge deal and it was it was nominated for like 11 Oscars the following year granted it didn't win any but it was up for all the big awards that's
0: fascinating to me cuz the other the other knock on on the Oscars are for you know and and you'll I'm sure you will display throughout this this episode you know you pay attention to these these movies and and you know you know the the kind of the ins and outs of of how this process works but like for somebody like me, like I generally enjoy like dumb comedy movies. So w- when I think Oscars, like the, these aren't the movies that I've seen um, usually, or uh, th- th- I'll see them them later. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, I guess I guess why don't you know some of the movies that do like really well in the box office become these these big hits? These I'll say maybe future cult classics. Uh, Why don't they appear in the Oscars? And it's going to be a bunch of movies that likely a lot of the the folks have never heard of.
1: Well, so I think there's a few things that go into that. I mean, the first is these are kind of what what becomes an Oscar movie isn't shaped by just the, the largest broad appeal, although sometimes it is. I mean, for instance, Titanic, when it came out, it it shattered the box office record for most money ever. You heard people that went to see it like seven times in in theaters. Um, same thing with Avatar when it came out years later. It it broke the record for most you know most money in the world, at box office. And you know though that movie was up for all of the big Oscar awards. So sometimes the two cross, but the thing with Oscars is it's not just chosen by box office. It's chosen by the people that are inside the the movie industry it's chosen by the actors in the movie industry you have to be a member so it's you know it's actors it's producers it's directors it's people in like the the different craft services like costume design uh visual effects sound sound engineers so it's these people that are really in the movie industry that are picking what's nominated for oscars um so i mean that's kind of a disconnect but you know i guess another good example from a few years ago black panther was up for a bunch of different oscars and it's a you know a huge marvel movie so uh well the the movies that generally are like the, the you know the big summer popcorn flicks usually don't get nominated for oscars sometimes they do and especially you know another good example is uh christopher nolan movies you know, he makes big movies that come out in the summer, big action flicks uh, like Inception. But it was that was up for a ton of Oscars as well. Um, he he had a movie this year, Tenant, came out in theaters, and that was actually a big thing because he did he refused for it to come out on any type of streaming or VOD service. He demanded that it go to the that it go to the theaters, and it did. Uh, but it it had a terrible performance at the box office. I saw it; it was a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it but I didn't ever think that it was up for any of the big Oscars, like just because it, it had, it was fun, but it had some holes in the plot. Um, and I guess uh, that would actually, if I, if I could for a moment, there's uh, I want to talk about a few different movies that I really liked that weren't Oscar movies that didn't get nominated. But I think the people that listen to this podcast might've really enjoyed them because yeah. You know, just because just whether a movie's up for an Oscar or not, that doesn't mean it's necessary. You know, those are the best movies. There's a lot of things that people want to see in movies. There's a lot of, you know, wide variety of interests. So uh, just to highlight a few that I think the people out there might like um, the movie Palm Springs. It's a rom-com that was on Hulu starring Andy Sandberg. I thought that was one of the, the funniest movies of the year. I actually thought it was going to be up for the screenplay award, but it ended up not getting it. It was the screenplay was up for some of the precursor awards, and Andy Samberg was nominated for a Golden Globe, which is uh, a show that you know it's a it's another award show that could kind of lead into the Oscars. But you know he didn't get nominated for best actor. That was a great movie. Um, one hidden gem that I saw over the summer that people might that I thought was phenomenal was this movie called The Kid Detective. And it starred Adam Brody, who was uh, on the OC and he was in Shazam. He's, he's been in a handful of things. He was actually in one of the movies we're going to talk about a little later as well. But he plays this guy in his 30s who was a kid detective when he was like 12 years old, who was in charge. He was, you know, had cases like who stole the money from the school dance. And, uh, you know, he's something you know a tragic event happened in his life and he's just never grown past that so in his 30s he's still finding out who you know taking cases of who what happened to the missing cat where did she go um he gets but this he gets a murder case and so it's a dark comedy about him trying to hunt down this murder case that was a great one um another so i saw this documentary, and I, I don't really watch documentaries, but the only documentary I saw this year that I really enjoyed was uh, this one called Boys State. It's on Apple Plus for, for those that have that service. It follows these high school kids that are at Boys State in Texas. I don't, I, it was uh, it was just so fascinating to see how these young high school kids got into politics and just how much they're, they were like uh, miniature versions of politicians. So, you know, even though uh, you know, there, I think we're going to get into it, there's a lot of great movies for, in the Oscar field, but there was, there was just a lot of great movies in general. I think last year was a, a great year for movies. Do you have any that uh, that you saw that you you particularly like, Derek, from, you know, just any movie in general last year?
0: Uh, you know, here's the thing, Kev. I uh I don't have the attention span for movies. I'm more of the watch a show I've seen ten times on Netflix and just like let it run for two hours. Uh, but to sit down and actually watch a movie, I'm I'm really trying to think here. I think I finally saw the um the the Star Wars Last Jedi movie in the past year. Uh, I don't know okay. when that came out, but uh, it's older. You know, I don't think I looking through this list of of the the movies that are are up. I have not seen any of these um, and I really haven't seen that many movies recently at all. Um, and it's it, I feel like it's a it's a major downfall to my character that I don't know movies. Oh, I did see The Irishman and I thought that was okay, phenomenal. Which, you did? Yeah.
1: Interesting. So. I saw that, you know, and that was last year's Oscar. So you're, you know, you're not very far behind. Cool. Um, <laughs> I I thought it was pretty good. Um, I remember it, I watched it after Thanksgiving, like uh, the day it came out. Um, it was, it, it was just, it was very long.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I, I watched it in two parts because I could not, I could, I couldn't just watch it. I mean, it was, it was, it was a lot.
1: Oh, lot. yeah, well there were there was people that came someone came up online with uh, a way to break it down into four like forty five minute segments and they had like specific points where you would stop on the sh- on Netflix and be like, okay, that's part one, that's part two, that's part three, and that's part four, which is uh you know is a the director Martin Scorsese is is like Mr. movie theater. so I think he heard about that and there were stories that he was you know, he was very upset and told people not to do that and that wasn't the point of the experience. But um no, the Irishman was good. Uh, I the one thing I, I will say is the uh the CGI, you know how they aged you know, aged M reverse, made them look yeah. younger. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of threw me. Um, especially there was a scene when Robert De Niro was like beating up a guy.
0: Yeah, like they still moved like old men.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he like kicked the guy when he was down.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it just it was it was like no. Like if that was a real fight, like there was not enough movement to have done any damage.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But I think it was better that they did the CGI with that than, like, to just try to do it with makeup and have these, like, 70-some-year-old guys look like they're 30 and 40. Like I, I So I'll deal with, <laughs> with kind of, like, the weird <laughs> movement issues. Um, but, it, yeah, so I think that was it, though. So I'm excited to hear, you know, uh, from you, Kevin, what what movies I I need to see. So I'm already – Palm Springs that you mentioned, the Addie Sam. Andy Samberg uh, flick that sounds like something that would be right up my alley but um you know so what what are some of the big movies that we're going to be talking about here that are that are going to win multiple or at least one if not multiple awards so
1: yeah let's um let's give let me give you a quick rundown of uh, some of the big ones so and I, I will say, you know, I'm not sure. I, so then this is what happened last year. Last year, there were a lot of great movies, and so the awards really got spread out. There wasn't a movie that really won a ton of awards. I think last year, there were like nine best picture nominees, and eight of them won awards. The only movie that didn't win any awards was the Irish one, funnily enough. But, uh,
0: that's it, dumb, they should have won them all.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> it had <laughs> nominees in like everything, so. And I think it could be another year like that this year, where the the wealth is kind of spread around. Um, so let me give you a few examples of some of the big ones. So probably the the biggest one coming in is one uh, one of the big favorites for a few different rewards is Nomadland, which is it was based on a book. It was about this woman who uh, her husband passed away. And she's she's in her 60s and she worked at like a company town. Um, So people from I've heard people from Youngstown seen this movie and they like it because of the parallels. But uh, this the the factory in the town shut down and so she lost her home. She had worked. She had worked in the factory with her husband. She lost her home. So instead she bought uh, a big van and ended up driving around and she'd go to work for Amazon as like they, ha- Amazon actually has a program for people that live in campers to drive around through the year and go work at different locations. Um, so that movie is up for a, a lot of awards. It's uh and this it's interesting because there's two people that are actually actors in the movie, like two professional actors. All the other people are like non-professional actors and they're, Like some of them were people that were actually in the book like this one woman uh her name's linda may she's not an actor she was just she's one of these people and so that's something that this particular director is uh very known for she's done a few movies like this and nomadland is her most popular one um the funny thing is though she's done these small indie movies like nomadland and she did this other movie called the rider But she got hired to direct the Marvels movie, The Eternals, and that's like a huge movie in the Marvel franchise because it's kind of it's one of the movies that's starting like one of their new phases, Um, you know, kind of the post uh, post Avengers Endgame phase, and so that's coming out next year. And they hire this, you know, indie director who just hasn't hasn't done anything like that at all. But they really wanted her. In fact uh one thing that was interesting most of those marvel movies are shot like in atlanta or other places on sound stages she refused to do that she said i want to film this kind of movie on location and they agreed to that they wanted her enough for it um but no man land is also a a beautifully shot movie it'd be it's cool to see a lot of it takes place in the in the western part of the united states you get to see like the badlands and stuff it's so that That's one. Uh, another big movie is this movie called Sound of Metal. And this is a kind of, it's a character study. It follows this guy played by Riz Ahmed, who's a drummer. He lives with his girlfriend. She, they also travel around in an RV. They're in this heavy metal band. Well, he's, a, he's the drummer. And right at the start of the movie, he lo- he starts rapidly losing his hearing. And so he uh, he has to go. And he's an, he he also has addiction problems, so there's a big worry that he's going to relapse, and so he has to go uh, live in this deaf community to learn how to sign and learn how to live without being able to hear. And when I first heard about this movie, I knew it was going to be big. You know, I'd seen the press about it, and I was like, ah, you know, I'm not all that you know about interested in watching. I mean, I'm going to watch it because I know it's going to be up for the stuff, but. This seems like eh, something not that you know, kind of boring. Um, you know, I one of these like the wonder of life kind of stories. But I'll tell you what, I watched it and I was I was hooked. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, and to reference another uh, friend friend of ours, Tim and I, we we get together and we we have this thing where we watch a few movies uh over like a week or two. We picked you know one or two movies ahead of time. We watched them and then we talk about them. So one of the movies that we picked for it was Sound of Metal. And I after I saw it, I came back with just such a high review. Um that movie is on Amazon and Nomad Lands on Hulu. Another uh big one that people may like is Trial of Chicago 7, which is a Netflix movie. It's about the trial of the chicago seven that of uh, these are individuals that were protesting the uh the democratic national convention in uh the 70s it's a it's an interesting civil rights movie um it's written by written and directed by aaron sorkin who uh wrote a few good men moneyball the social network um you know a lot of these great movies that have these really quippy lines and of Chicago seven is a movie just like that. So if, if, you know, if you like a few good men, this is another great courtroom movie.
0: Well, this is what though, and Kevin, like as I'm taking the, the movies that look interesting to me, this is another one, mostly because of that Aaron Sorkin piece. So you mentioned, you know, um, social network and all, and all that, but like his work in TV has been phenomenal too. So I'm oh, West yeah. wing is one of my all time favorites um newsroom which was a uh H- oh, hbo I show i believe um yeah, I was, yeah. with uh who was the guy um he played in dumb and dumber Jack and then plays yes so you see him in dumb and dumber and then you see him in newsroom and it's hard to like come around and, and think like this is the same person it's like when you see robin williams and goodwill hunting like playing that serious character and it, oh, yeah. it's it was, it was cool, but he does a phenomenal job. Um, and then the most underrated of them all is Sports Night. Uh, and that, that, mo- that show That's, one, that's was, one
1: I haven't seen.
0: Oh, it is phenomenal. And they actually did... Um, th- there were a lot of... Um, if you're a fan of the West Wing, you'll see a lot of characters on Sports mm-hmm. Night. Sports Night came before West Wing. And they only did two yeah. seasons of it. Uh, and the second no, ran season
1: together for a period of time.
0: Yeah. Is season two of sports night um, yeah, happened at the season same time as Westway. season one. Yeah. So then they and ended then up. Sorkin was
1: really on coke then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 he's writing two episodes a week. <laughs> it was insane. Um, but yeah, sports night's phenomenal. But anyways, yeah. So um, trial of the Chicago seven is one that's definitely on my list because of that. I've not seen anything he's ever done that wasn't phenomenal.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think he's just fun. He's just, he's great. And it's interesting now that he's a director, but, uh, you know, just to, to move through a few of these other ones real quick. Uh, another one that's up for a lot of awards is this movie called Minari. It's about a family, uh, family of Korean Americans who had immigrated to California. We, the movie follows them when they moved to Oklahoma in the eighties, there's a, uh, Mother and father and then two young kids and uh, eventually the the grandma joins them. but they moved to Oklahoma because the father wants to start a farm and you know it not the flashiest movie by any stretch of the imagination in terms of like a premise. but you know it's another one that I watched and it was it, it just really sucks you in. and the one thing that really kind of steals the movie is the relationship between the the grandmother and the little kid the the seven the son the son is like six or seven years old he's like one of the cutest kids that you've seen in a movie he's just hilarious and his interactions with the mother or with the grandmother the grandmother's like you know she's uh she's not the most housebroken woman and so to see them kind of go back and forth it just it makes it's hilarious but you know another great movie um let's see uh Another one, kind of more in the vein of Sh- Trial of Chicago 7, is this movie called Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, it's, uh, it's based on a true story. It's based on William O'Neill, who was an FBI informant and a member of the, the Black Panthers in, uh, during the Civil Rights era. He's spying on the Black Panthers because he, at the start of the movie gets he gets arrested, and so they are able to turn him to be an informant. And he's informing on the Black Panthers, and specifically – the black messiah fred hampton who's the head of the chicago chapter and that movie just has some great performances daniel kaluya who was the star of get out from a few years ago he plays fred hampton lakeith stanfield who's just been in a ton of stuff i think most notably atlanta he was in knives out he was in uh what's that uh, uncut gems he's uh he he plays uh, Judas, who is uh, Bill O'Neill. And then the other uh, main the other if there's like three main characters, the other one is Meth Damon himself, Jesse Plemons from Breaking Bad fame and uh, Friday Night Lights and some other <laughs> stuff. Nice. So that's that. I like that movie. It was fun. Um and uh, I guess a, another thing to highlight is people are really excited about this year's Oscars because there's, you know, in the past there's a lot of it's a lot of white people, but this year is is just much more diverse because you have a story like Minari, which is about a a, a family of Korean American immigrants. You have a story Judas and the Black Messiah, which has, you know, um, them people of the Black Panthers. Riz Ahmed is a is a Muslim, and he's nominated for Best Actor. He's the star of Sound of Metal. Um, so I think just uh, a few more to hit uh, one is Mank this is up for a ton of awards I, I'm I'm doubtful it's actually gonna win that many awards. it's a uh, movie about the making of the famous movie Citizen Kane. It's about this guy Herman Mankwitz Mank who's the screenwriter of Citizen Kane it's it's a Netflix movie it's it's black and white um, but it's made by David Fincher who's you know, one of one of the great directors of our time. He made Social Network, Gone Girl, uh, Seven, Panic Room. So he's, uh, you know, it's it's another one of these big director comes out of the movie about a big topic. You know, it's going to be up for a ton of awards. And then the last of our uh, movies that are up for a ton of stuff is a, and this is the last of the Best Picture nominees is this movie called Promising Young Woman which I think has the most interesting premise of the year. And I won't give it away much. I This is one that I highly recommend. Um, it's it's not on any streaming platforms. You'd have to, to rent it. I think you'd rent it for like five or six bucks. But the premise of this is Carrie Mulligan plays a uh, young woman who dropped out of med school. And what she does is she goes to bars on the weekends and it looks like she's extremely drunk and every weekend a nice guy comes up to her and brings her back to his his house or his apartment with the intention of trying to sleep with her except she reveals to them that she's actually not drunk and you know i don't really want to go into any more what happens after that but it is it is one of the most interesting uh concepts i've seen in a while for a movie so those are those are our uh, our, our best picture nominees i'm not gonna give you my predictions yet i'll, I'll, I'll save that for later but uh there we go Derek, wait till the end yeah Derek, <laughs> so I, out of those uh besides Charlie chicago 7 any any of those really tickling your fancy oh i actually forgot one um so this this movie really good movie um I can tell you that this is not one that you want that are going to get a lot of people to watch, but that doesn't change the fact that it was a it was a great movie. And when I saw it, I thought it was really affecting this movie called The Father and stars Anthony Hopkins, who, you know, most famously was uh, in Silence of the Lambs. He was the villain, but he's been in tons and tons of stuff. I mean, he's in his 80s. He's been up for the he's been up for best actor. I think he's been nominated for an Oscar like five different times. He plays uh, an old man, the father and the father, although they never say it in the movie is he has dementia. And so it's following him and his interactions with his daughter. But the fascinating thing about the movie is you're watching it from the father, from Anthony Hopkins perspective and his memory is not because he has dementia he's having memory problems so it's really kind of jarring to see these different scenes because they don't at times seem like they're really consistent because his memory is inconsistent hmm. um that's interesting yeah it's it was uh you know it's one of those ones where you say like that's a beautiful movie but it's not one you gonna want to you know pop on for friday night and have some fun
0: right <laughs> here it's not a netflix and chill movie no no it's uh <laughs> um no so well now that you mentioned that like that one that one does sound interesting i mean obviously with the the kind of the medical perspective that i have um you know, anything that like taps into a little bit of that would, it, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to me. Um, Judas and the black Messiah seems really kind of cool. Cause I, I do like those, um, kind of action. Like, um, I'll say like smart action where like, there's like, you're playing like two sides like that kind of oh, yeah. the informant idea. Well, I've always, yeah, found that movie. yeah, yeah, no, that, that sounds really cool. And then, uh, you know, since you kind of shrouded it in this uh, kind of mystery, the Promising Young Woman. So I, I'm curious. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely, you know, and I think I think it's funny you 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 asked me about movies. You know, I don't I don't generally watch movies. It's not that I don't want to. Like as we're talking about yeah. these movies, I'm like, wow, that sounds awesome. Um, I don't know what the what the gap is of just like sitting down and being like, I'm going to watch this. Uh, it just it doesn't happen for some reason.
1: But, but I think it, it, it's okay. tricky because, like, you know, when you do that, you're like, you know, I'm committing to this to a certain period of time. And it's it's hard. I mean, you're, you're as a guy, um, and, you know, when and it's almost something that I mean, one, it's easier to do on a weekend. But on the weekend, you're you know, you're kind of seeing your family, you're doing stuff, you're you're you want to do social things um, during the week. It's like hard to say, like, oh, you know, I have. You know, I'm home from work. I just ate dinner. You know, oh, an hour and forty-five minute movie. Here we go.
0: Right, right. And I, and I think that's why I I've, I've often find myself watching, you know, TV shows because yes, I might sit there and watch it for two hours, but at any like twenty-minute or forty-minute point, I can, I can break out of it. But there's no reason, you know, like I said, I watched The Irishman in two parts. There's no reason you couldn't do that with a movie. Um, so I, uh, I'm ho- I'm hoping. That maybe uh, through this this recording here of this podcast, uh, it'll it'll prompt me to to get into movies a little bit more because I think I've I've rarely seen movies that I'm like wow I wish I hadn't seen that you know it felt like a waste of time you know it doesn't that's not how I've almost ever felt about it.
1: Yeah yeah no I get that entirely Um, and we there may even be a few more as we talk through some of these awards that maybe that tickles your fancy a little more. yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's. I found for me that, you know, it kind of like comes and goes. There's times when I like, you know, really want to watch movies and I get through a lot of them. But then it just kind of falls by the back burner. It's not because of, but it's never because of like, oh, I just don't want to do that. It's just because like, you know, there's other stuff. Sure. Um, you know, time is limited. But, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, this year we had some some good options, uh, a lot of different genres um you know there, there's a movie like the father which is very much an oscar's movie but you know i'd say this year there wasn't you know tons and tons of that through these through these awards but uh i guess let's uh how about we dive into the, some of these awards
0: yeah, Sounds, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh let's start uh let's start with uh what do you think best director
1: yeah let's let's go there um so this is a uh, And for all these, so I guess one thing for the best picture, there was eight nominees. Um, For all these other categories that we're going to talk about, there's five nominees. Um, And the way it works is the people that are in that branch, like the directors, the members of the director's branch of the academy, nominate, they pick the five nominees for best director. And then the whole academy, everyone votes on who they think best director is. So this this year we have five movies. Uh, the first is your your trial of Chicago Seven, Sight Unseen, your favorite. Um, Absolutely. The second is and that that was uh, Aaron Sorkin directed that second movie he's ever directed. Uh, next is David Fincher of Mank. Uh, you know that he's been he's been nominated for best director before. Uh, Chloe Zhao for Nomadland, she's never been nominated before. Then uh, Emerald Fennell is the director of Promising Young Woman. She is a very impressive woman. She's actually more of an actor. So she, if you watch The Crown, which I have, but I only watched like a season of it. She's in like the most recent season of The Crown. Um, She's British. She plays uh, Camilla, which is Prince Charles's wife. Mm -hmm. But then uh, she's also she was uh, she was a writer she was like the head writer of uh last season of the television show Killing Eve and then this is her directorial debut and so she's kind of hit out the park getting nominated for you know best director on her very first go and then the last nominee is uh, this guy Thomas Vinterberg he is a danish film director and he directed the danish movie Another Round which has an interesting premise it's four guys, and uh, they're kind of like they're middle-aged, and they're kind of in a rut. And they read about this idea that what that um, you're most effective when you're slightly drunk all the time. So they're they're all teachers at a school, and their their whole thing is they want to they're testing this theory of being drunk all the time but not getting excessively drunk just getting enough that you have a buzz and so this is a another movie that tim and i watched in our you know kind of movie discussion group and this one uh it's a it's it's danish so it has subtitles it uh is on hulu i think a lot of people may like this it's kind of a dark comedy um yeah it it was fun my guess is if I had to pick a winner, I think Chloe Zhao is going to win um, because Nomadland is an extremely popular movie. Um, a lot, she's won a lot of the precursor awards. So, and I guess let me explain what the precursor awards are. During the the Oscars, it's not just one show. You know, people, movie, movie studios pay lots of money on campaigns for these different movies and you know specifically performances in the movies and to to you know kind of get these movies in front of the voters to bring publicity to the movie and to you know just kind of essentially to get votes just it's similar to campaigning for public office and during the course of this you have uh sometimes smear campaigns this year there hasn't been a lot but there actually has been some some negative news that came out about Nomadland, and the thing there is, uh, well, the uh, the movie talks about how, you know, uh, the lead character works in the Amazon factory as part of their RV program or their camper program. Um, they kind of speak of it in positive terms, when in the book that Nomadland is based on, and just in general pop culture uh, nomad le- or Amazon gets a lot of criticism for how it treats its workers actually so there was a complaint of you know why why did they in, to use to use a uh, I guess a, a slang term why did they whitewash how Amazon actually treats its employees um, hmm. yeah it was fascinating it doesn't look like it that is really gonna stick though I still think I would still guess that Chloe Zhao is going to win Best Director, um, but if I to, I think there's a there's an outside shot Emerald Fennell could win, um, or Aaron Sorkin could win. So it's a uh, it's a fun category. Um, all right,
0: all the, right. Kevin's given us some solid predictions here.
1: Yeah, uh, there's actually also a website it's, that puts out odds on all of this. It's called gold I don't really go on it, but I know it's a kind of a big thing where, uh, you know, they put out odds on even what was going to get, not going to be a nominee. But uh, I think right now she's the odds on favorite to win best director.
0: All right. All right. Now, is there uh, is there betting that happens on the Oscars?
1: I think you can bet. Um, I'm not, I'm not positive on that, but I think you can. No way. How about that? I'm pretty sure you, I'm pretty sure you can bet because, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think the, the story is that Charlie Chicago seven, their odds just got slashed recently. Uh, so, you know, yeah, the, just like all betting things kind of gain momentum. Um, but let's talk, uh, let's talk best actor. Yeah. Um, so this, this is a really fascinating category uh, because I think there are, this was a great year for, for acting performances. So there's five nominees. There's Anthony Hopkins from The Father, Riz Ahmed from Sound of Metal, Steven Yoon, who is uh, the star of Minari. He's the father of the family. And then Gary Oldman played Mank. Uh, he played Herman Mankwitz in Mank. So, uh, I'd say I, I've seen all you know those four performances. I, if I had to vote, I'd want Riz Ahmed to win. I thought he was phenomenal in The Sound of Metal. Um, he's not going to win. I think Anthony Hopkins had a great performance in The The Father, and I think in most years he would win. He's also not going to win. Uh, I thought Stephen Yeun and Gary Oldman were both. They're both good. I, I probably, would, you know, out of these group, this group, I wouldn't pick either of them. They're not going to win. The person who's going to win this award actually is Chadwick Bozeman, who starred in a movie called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And Ma Rainey's Black Bottom wasn't nominated for uh, best picture, but it's a it was a big Netflix movie. It's about this jazz band led by Ma Rainey. And it it kind of follows them through a day when they have to record uh, this song, Black Bottom. That's the name, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But, you know, I... Uh, I Boseman, I, I thought, was a great performance. I think he's going to win this, and he's kind of won almost all of the precursor awards. You know, sadly, he he passed away this year. You know, this past year he had uh, he had cancer, and no one knew. I don't know if you you remember that. There, but just one yeah, day, kind yeah. of popped up on the news that he died. Yeah, and that he he had cancer for about four years, and so, you know, he he did all this while he had cancer, and he lost a ton of weight. Um, yeah, I, I he's he's pretty much won everything except Anthony Hopkins won the the BAFTA, which is the the British version of the Oscars. But okay. other than that, Chadwick Boseman's won all the big precursor awards. And I, you know, he was he was very good in Monterey's Black Bottom. So it's you know, part of it is uh he gave a great performance, but also part of it you'll see with Oscars, it's kind of sometimes it's narrative. You know, this is this is the only chance to give him, you know, someone who was a great actor in Oscar. He'd never been nominated before. You know, he'd been in Black Panther, he'd been in he played uh, Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. He was in uh, Tony Furi's favorite movie Draft Day. He was Vontae <laughs> Mack in that one. He's he's been in a, a lot of movies and he's he's had some great performances, but he'd never been nominated for an Oscar and you know he's he's not going to in, anymore. So this is for a lot of voters. They see it as you know this is their chance to vote for him, and so they're going to. Anthony Hopkins, there's no pressure there because he's, he's won an Oscar. He's been nominated many times. Uh, Riz Ahmed and, and Stephen you, they, this is their first nomination, but you know, they, they have long careers ahead of them. They're both about 40. Gary Oldman just won a few years ago. So that's, uh, that's how it's going to, that's how I think it's going to break for Bozeman. But I will say Bozeman, Hopkins, and Riz Ahmed, they just had these these great performances. And, uh, you know, to give you a, a suggestion of a movie, Derek, Riz Ahmed was in this movie like 10 or 11 years ago. It's a comedy movie. It's, I, I watched it like a few months, like last month maybe. I never heard of it until then. It's its absolutely hilarious. Um it's it's a it's a dark comedy. It's called Four Lions. It's about and y'all have to stick with me and y'all it's on Amazon Prime, <laughs> but you don't have to trust me on this. It sounds right. weird, but it's it's hilarious. So there's these four guys. They're all Muslim and they live in Sheffield, England, and it's their dream to be jihadi, to be suicide bombers. Okay. Except they're like three of them, well, three and a half of them are just absolute idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they're they're they want to be terrorists, but they're not. They have like they're not connected to a terrorist network or anything. So it's about them trying to become terrorists. <laughs> all right, all right, you got me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim, Tim and I also watched that as part of our, our movie club. Um, I thought it was, you know, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Tim thought it was pretty good, but he he didn't quite rate it as high as I did. But he found it very funny. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Riz Ahmed. That was he was the the not so dumb guy in that movie.
0: So now but, uh, now people can go and watch that and figure out if they. Uh if they lean more towards you or if they lean more towards Tim on, uh, on movie recommendations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'll say we, we both watched Mank and, uh, both of us kind of agree. It wasn't all that great. I mean, it wasn't, it was one of those ones where it's like a solid B. Um, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, you, you're, you know, him and I watched a lot of these movies. So, we kind of, uh, uh, where I can, I'll give you his, his take on some of these.
0: Yeah, and just to, um, to circle back here on Best Actor, um, so, you know, Chadwick Boseman, I mean, from an odd standpoint, now that I know you can bet on this stuff, uh, huge favorite, huge favorite, not even close. Um, yeah. uh, Vegas is saying Chadwick Boseman runs away with this uh, for sure over Anthony Hopkins as, as number two, and then it's a, it's a big
1: drop after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, like I said, uh, you know, they... Pretty much everyone knew even before, like, nominations or anything that this was going to be his his uh, his award. Although, there was actually a chance that he was going to get nominated for two different movies. He was in another movie this year that didn't get nominated for any Academy Awards. It's called The Five Bloods. It's, uh, it's a Spike Lee movie. It's about these four... Um, Black Vietnam vets that go back to Vietnam to try and find uh, this treasure that they hid years and years ago. So that was, yeah, he was a supporting actor in that, but he didn't he he did not get the nomination. Uh, but you know, well, we have you know uh, uh, an award that's kind of in the bag for Chadwick Bozeman. This next category, It's completely up in the air who's going to win. It's uh, Best Actress, and there are five nominees, and four of them could conceivably win. The only one that people know is not going to win is uh, Vanessa Kirby, and she was nominated for this movie called Pieces of a Woman. I didn't see that movie, but pretty much my understanding is it's a a movie about a woman who suffers a miscarriage, and it's like a very graphic kind of opening where that happens. And uh, it's about like kind of her recovery. It's a Netflix movie for those that are interested. Um, I heard she was great in it, uh, and the, the Academy Award nomination is well deserved. But I, yeah, I haven't caught that one yet. Yeah, uh, Vegas says
0: it, she doesn't stand a chance.
1: Yeah, the then the uh, there's another one that I hadn't seen also, which is Andra Day, and she's starring in a movie called United States versus Billie Holiday, and that's on Hulu. And that is a kind of a true story movie about Billie Holiday's legal battle with the United States. Um, she's a singer, uh, for those who have never heard of Billie Holiday. Um,
0: and shame on you if you haven't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she won one of the Precursor Awards. She won the Golden Globe, and that kind of put her into this race. Uh, next is Frances McDormand, who won... She's won two Oscars in the past. She's the star, the woman who lost her husband, who's driving around the country in her van.
0: Hey, hey Kevin, uh, you, uh, you dropped that on my end. You might have dropped that on the main recording. Uh, Frances McDormand, uh, what movie was she in?
1: Frances McDormand was in *Nomadland*. Okay. She was. Uh, she won the Oscar actually a few years ago for a, a dark comedy movie called Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri*. But yeah, she's a star in Nomad Land. Um, she also won years ago for Fargo. So she's, she, she won one of the precursor awards as well. Next, we have Viola Davis, who is uh, Ma Rainey in the Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. She is, uh, she's also another former Oscar winner and one of the you know one of the, the big actresses in Hollywood. And then uh, the final nominee of, of, the, of the group is Carrie Mulligan, who is the, the lead woman in Promising Young Woman. She is the med school dropout who goes to the bars and pretends to be drunk. And uh, she's I don't you know, I don't know if she's a name that most people on the, on the podcast or that most listeners would know, but she is a, a very accomplished actress. She's been in some really good movies. She was in this movie called Wildlife a few years ago, which is a it was kind of a smaller indie movie. Um, in terms of some of the bigger movies she was in, she was in the Great Gatsby remake. She played Daisy, again, opposite Leonardo DiCaprio, who played the Great Gatsby. I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> she was very good in that movie. I think yeah. that movie was, you know that movie could have been like a big Oscar movie if they would have picked like a different director. And, because that, like you had Leonardo DiCaprio, you had her, you know, that's that's a great pairing. You have two, two of like the best actors alive. Um, and they were both so great for, in their roles, but the movie was just like way too stylistic and the director was just kind of, I think he, he you know, it, it it just didn't really work what he was going for. But, uh, yeah, she's, you know, Carrie Mulligan's been in a lot of movies. Um, she was nominated years ago as a, in this movie called An Education. She was a, uh, she's a young girl that has an affair with an older, older man in that movie. Um, but yeah, she's, I, you know, I think she's great in this movie. She, at one point she was a favorite. Now it's kind of leveled off, um, Interestingly, there was this big controversy about, uh, about her because there was a critic that reviewed the movie and he pretty much said without saying it, they should have cast someone hotter. Oh. Yeah. Um, Margot Robbie, who you, you'd probably know from Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. She's a, she's all, she's like a pretty big time movie producer in addition to being an actress she produced this movie and, uh, you know, the the reviewer said, you know, I think it would make more sense if they would have had her in the movie. And this is right after talking about how the character dresses and stuff. So, um, you know, there was uh, some controversy with that. And, and I mean, for those who haven't seen Carrie Mulligan, she is a nice, very nice looking woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, was, She's not oh, one that you're like, hmm, that doesn't make sense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh um, gosh. Yeah. So that you know, best actress is a is a is an as a wide open and exciting race. I think Carrie Mulligan's gonna win, but uh I would not be surprised at all if Viola Davis won. What uh what are the odds, Derek? Yeah, so in that
0: in that order that you mentioned, uh so Carrie Mulligan uh is the favorite but you know on the on the best actor side it was it was a runaway this one is not and mm-hmm. so uh carrie mulligan viola davis uh francis McNorman, all pretty much around there but in that order audra day kind of following up and then vanessa kirby just way behind so um yeah so it, 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 carrie mulligan's the favorite there but not by not by a whole lot so that. uh if if somebody's looking for an upset, that might be it.
1: Yeah, that, well, that's a good place to play some bets. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> let's go down to, I guess, move to Best Supporting Actress. Um, yeah. So this one has uh, an interesting race, a uh, few movies that we haven't talked about yet. But uh, one of them is a movie that I haven't seen. And this the nominee is Glenn Close. And she was she was in Hillbilly Elegy, which is based on a book that a guy from Ohio wrote. His name's J.D. Vance. He ended up going to Yale Law School, but he grew up in kind of the heart of the opioid country and his family grew up very poor and he grew up with his grandma. And so, you know, he's and he's a conservative. And so, you know, this book came out and it's uh, a few years ago and it was really popular. And it was a talking about like the Rust Belt and the drug crisis and, you know, growing up in that with conservative values and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. And uh, the book was at first very popular and was the bestseller. And as time gone, has gone on, this guy's gotten more and more panned. And now J.D. Vance is actually going, probably going to run for Senate in Ohio. He's, uh, he's, he's, a, he's trying to kind of court the Trump vote. He was down in uh, Mar-a-Lago a few weeks ago trying to get Trump's support um, but you know this this movie uh, was made by Ron Howard and people heard about it and they thought oh maybe this this could be like something in the Oscars race because this was a very popular book and you know we have Ron Howard Glenn Close Amy Adams these are all big players at the Oscars usually well the movie came out and it was absolutely terrible so that's why I haven't seen it Um and, you know, people have said that Glenn Close isn't even very good in this movie and that the only reason she's nominated is because a few years ago she was the favorite to win. She had won, like, all the precursor awards and for this small movie called The Wife. And people thought, you know, Glenn Close has been an actress for such a long time. She's been nominated time and time again. She's never won. We're just going to give it to her this year. Something similar happened actually last year where brad pitt won the oscar for uh, his role in once upon a time in hollywood the quentin tarantino movie you know brad pitt's been nominated in a lot of movies he's had a lot of great performances and people you know said you know it's, it's brad pitt's turn and i mean he was very good in once upon a time in hollywood which obviously helped but uh back to glenn close with the wife that just didn't happen. She lost in a shocking loss to Olivia Coleman, who she's up against again. Olivia Coleman is the daughter in the father. Um, but so we have we have Glenn Close, we have Olivia Coleman, we have Amanda Seyfried, who plays a character in Mank. Um, and she was uh, when she came out in that role, it was kind of a a revelation that she was. Because she'd never really been uh, in like critically popular movies she'd been in movies like mama mia which were which are pretty good and entertaining but not like oscar type movies then uh, we also have yao Jun yoon who is the grandmother in minari and she's uh she's won a lot of awards in korean cinema but she hasn't been in many uh movies that have you know been nominated in american awards And then the final nominee is Maria Bakalova, who played uh, the daughter in the Borat subsequent movie film. And uh, Derek, have you you seen either of the Borats?
0: I saw the first Borat, um, obviously, years and years ago. I did not know there was a second Borat, Borat subsequent, um, until – doing a little bit of prep work for for this recording. And I was like, oh, how did I miss Borat 2? Now, I was not a huge Borat fan. Um, I I don't anticipate watching Borat 2, or whatever whatever they're calling it. Um, But it was... So it was interesting... That it's being taken seriously, I guess I did know about the Borat because it had, they had that scene with uh, Rudy Giuliani as they were filming. Oh yeah, yeah I, 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 now, that, now that we're talking about it, I'm remembering that that whole thing, but I, I guess I didn't know it was out.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, and it's funny because they you know they filmed some of the some of the movie during the pandemic, and so that becomes a plot point. Um, But, yeah, so the basic premise is, you know, Borat gets sent back to America to offer his daughter, who's played by Maria Bakalova, who's never been in a—I don't think she's ever been in a—I don't know if she's been in an American movie before. She's never really been in anything big before, Um, but she plays his his daughter, and the plot, the plan is for Borat to give her to Mike Pence (laughs) because— (laughs) They, yeah, they, you know, the intelligence in the uh, in the Kazakhstani government is that Mike Pence is very susceptible and cannot be left alone in a room with a woman. So so, uh, without, you know, giving anything away, there's there's a lot of funny stuff. The, The daughter is hilarious. There's one part where they go to a debutante ball in the south, which is. Which is just very funny, um, you know. I I hadn't seen Borat until I saw it last weekend, and it was it was good. Um, so in this category, it you know it's I'd say with the exception of Amanda Seyfried, all four of these all four of the other nominees, it's possible that they could win. Um, I think the winner is going to end up being Yao Jung Yun from Minari. Who plays kind of the the uh, the grandma with uh, who's not uh, who the uh, the little little boy remarks in the movie is not like a grandma so is supposed to be?
0: Yeah, and Vegas agrees with you with with pretty much a almost a runaway. It's pretty much a, a two horse race here uh, between her and then uh, Bakalova from Borat. It, but uh the other 3 glint closer putting it number 3 there but it's a 10 to 1 odds so not uh not real high
1: interesting um yeah uh you know i would i would recommend borat i would not recommend hillbilly <laughs> fair so, enough so we have uh i guess one acting category left best supporting actor and there's one one performance i haven't seen it's uh leslie odom jr he's in one night in miami one night in miami is a is a i've i've heard it's reviewed pretty well i just haven't had a chance to see it yet it um so he plays sam cook but uh it's um it's this one the whole premise is this one night in miami four very famous black men get together and uh, they have these important discussions about what life is like in America for them. And it's based on a play. So he plays Sam Cooke. There's someone that plays Muhammad Ali. There's someone that plays Malcolm X. And uh, I I forget who the fourth person is. Uh, my bad. But uh, it's you know it's a, it's been a pretty well-reviewed movie. Some people thought it might have been a Best Picture nominee, but it just didn't quite get there. Um, then... Uh, we have Sasha Baron Cohen who's nominated, but not for Borat. He's nominated for Trial of Chicago Seven. He plays one of the Chicago Seven. He plays Abby Hoffman. And uh okay. he has some very funny lines in that. Charlie Trial of Trial Chicago of Seven, as like any sort of movie, has a lot of great quippy lines. Um, and it it you know, it it really is an ensemble. I think Sasha Baron Cohen may have been like the top built person, but no one really dominates the screen in that movie because there's so many great performances the uh the next nominee is a gentleman named paul racy who he plays he's in the sound of metal and he plays the head of this um the camp where rizamed goes to kind of acclimate to the death the 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 life of a deaf person um Paul Racy is, I think he's phenomenal in this movie. I think in a lot of years he would win. This year he's not going to, though. Um, there are two nominees from Judas and the Black Messiah. with Keith Stanfield, who plays Judas, uh, Bill O'Neill, and Daniel Kaluuya, who plays the Black Messiah, Fred Hampton. And I I would think it's pretty, it seems pretty certain that Daniel Kaluuya is going to win. Um, but the you know, there's kind of a controversy that these two are nominated in this category because, you know, they play essentially the name characters in a movie. They're really the two leads. There's no one that's above either of them in the, in those two movies. Er, I'm sorry, in the movie. But for some reason, they both got nominated in Best Supporting Actor. Um, it's not really... I mean, the reason why is because that's where they got the most votes. Um, you don't you know, they don't send out a ballot to the to the act. You know, to the category, the group that's picking the nominees for a particular award. They don't send out and say like, here's a list of people that are eligible. They, it's just they do for a certain a few technical categories, but for like the acting performances, you pretty much just send in who who you think your five nominees are in this category. And so, you know, some people put like like Keith Stanfield in as a nominee for best actor, some people put him in best supporting actor, but he qualified in best supporting actor because he was one of the five people with the most votes in that category.
0: Interesting. Now having two actors from the same movie, will that hurt their chances? Like, I guess I'm thinking like, like splitting votes kind of an idea.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes what studios do and what this studio did, Warner Brothers, who put out Judas and the Black Messiah, what they tried to do is they told people that we're we're running Le- Lakeith Stanfield in lead and running Daniel Kaluuya in supporting. Um, so, like, sometimes people like the studios try to make it so that you, you're not running against each other. But other times that just happens. Actually, uh, to dive to TV for a second... So that was a big issue in the game in Game of Thrones. Sure. Be- because, you know, they had all these actors because it's it's very much an ensemble show. And that's a little different because you actually have to sub- to be nominated for an Emmy. You have to submit because you have to pick essentially like two episodes and say, these are my these are the episodes I'm putting up when I want people to evaluate me for. You know, a best actor in a, a television drama. Um, because, you know, you can't, no one can watch every show, is the idea. So, sure. back uh, in the final season of Game of Thrones, the HBO specifically said, we're only nominating like the top seven people on the show. So, um, you know, those are the only people we're going to nominate. But you're allowed to nominate yourself. So, Alfie Allen, who played Theon, uh, Preece Van Houten, who played Light Lady Melisandre, and uh, what, what is her name? Um, I forget her name. The, the woman who played Brienne of Tarth, um, Gwendolyn Christie, they all nominated themselves, and they all got nom- they all ended up getting nominated for the award at the Emmys, and so did all seven people that the show put up. You know, oh, in their wow. respective categories. So, like in a, like best supporting actress in a, in a drama, there were four Game of Thrones nominees. So none Gosh. of them won.
0: Right, right. Wow. Yeah. Well, wow. Vegas does not see that being an issue with this one. They have Daniel yeah. Kaluuya uh, in a big lead, pretty much a yeah. runaway there.
1: So sometimes what happens is. Uh, like last year in all the all the acting categories, all four of them, there was like clear favorites in all of them. So there was kind of like no, people were worried there were going to be no big surprises. And there weren't four of the acting categories last year, but there was in Best Picture. Um, but this year, you know, I'd say two of the categories, like the, the actor categories are like deadlocks. The, uh, the actri- Best Actress is wide open. Supporting actress, you know, from what you said with the odds, it looks like it's kind of, we're pretty sure, but we're not, we're not rock solid.
0: Sure, sure.
1: So that that takes us through the acting awards. I guess we have, uh, we have the screenplays now. And so there's, there's two types of screenplay. There's two screenplay awards. There's best adapted screenplay and best original screenplay. Best adapted screenplay is obviously from, is it based on an adaptation? And adaptation usually means like a book, but in a case of like a sequel, a a sequel is automatically an adaptation because the idea is the characters in the sequel are adapted from the original because, you know, you have something there that you're working with already. Um, and also, like, uh, you know, the superhero movies, those are also adapted because they're adapted from comic books. Okay. okay. Um, and then sometimes there's movies like uh, last year, the Mr. Rogers movie, uh, good, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. That was adapted from uh, an article. So, So,
0: well, let me ask you this. And, and I, yeah. I don't know, you may ever may not know the answer. Well, actually, no, I think, I think the answer is going to be there because – um, sneaking a peek at original screenplay. If something is based on a true story or is a true story or something like that, does that become an original screenplay or an adapted screenplay?
1: It's only adapted if it's like adapted from a book, and that's okay. okay. That's you know that's pretty common. Um, like, for uh, example, like Moneyball is like a true story, right? But that mm-hmm. was an adapted screenplay because it was adapted from the book Moneyball.
0: Okay. Well, I see, you know, not to jump ahead, but Trial of Chicago 7 is on original. So as I was asking the question, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, wait, no. If that's based on a true story, then uh, never mind. See, this is why you don't let dumb guy who doesn't know anything about movies try to do an Oscars podcast. This is why Kevin's running this one.
1: (laughs) Well, actually, uh, there was a controversy uh, years ago with uh, – there's a movie. Have you seen the movie whiplash? No, no. Do you know it? You know the premise?
0: Huh?
1: Okay. This is a whiplash is, is a phenomenal movie. It is this, this kid who's a drummer at a, uh, jazz conservatory college. And, you know, he wants to be like one. He wants to be like the best jazz, jazz drummer ever. And this is all set in New York. It's a, a New York college. Um, he ends up earning his way onto the uh the the like sh- the show uh the show band, the show jazz band for the school. It's okay. taught by like the the and the, the head of that is JK Simmons. And J.K. Simmons, his character is like a complete asshole. And like the scenes are just absolutely insane of how he tears into these college kids. Like the things that he says. Um It's, it's, it is so intense. Um, It's a great movie. I highly recommend it, but uh, the reason I bring it up is it got nominated for Adapted Screenplay. Originally, though, it was, it it was, you know, it was going to be an original screenplay nominee, but then the Academy Award announced that actually it had to be going Adapted because this was an independent movie where the guy had never directed anything big before he was uh he's like a few years older than us um and he so he's doing this in his 20s he shot like a short version of the movie but just like a few scenes from it not like a condensed version of the movie he just made a few scenes to try and get funding for the movie because that's what you have to do with independent movies sometimes is like you make a short like, you know, half-hour version of it. and People say, oh, you know, let's make that into an action, you know, a big movie. I'll, I'll pay for that. I like it. Um, but instead, he just made like a few – he took a few scenes out of his longer screenplay and filmed them. And so they said that counted as adapted even though it really wasn't – you know, the screenplay wasn't adapted. It was the same screenplay. He just did film part of it already. Oh, but, wow. Yeah, so that was, that was a big – a big to do. Um, the guy, actually, that was you know his first movie was Whiplash. Then a few years later, he made La La Land, which was you know up for all the big awards, and he won best director for it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah, Whiplash. If you're if you're looking for an interesting kind of like character study kind of movie, and I don't know, I you know I have kind of a, I guess a dark sense of humor but some of the, some of the stuff that he was that the guy was screaming at the kids, I thought was like hilarious
0: <laughs> yeah i I enjoy those kinds of things,
1: because, <laughs> well, like this doesn't give anything away, but uh one scene someone's crying, and he just looks and's like, Oh, what is this? are you one of those little single tear fuckers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like he's right up my alley
1: yeah yeah I've been trying i've uh, I've recommended it to Tim too. he I don't think he's seen it yet. Maybe you two could uh, you you two will have a a watch session of it, and if you if you do, tell me, I'll come watch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll just have a whole list of insults for each other after that <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, so uh, the nominees there and there are two I haven't seen. One is One Night in Miami, which we talked about. The other is this movie called The White Tiger. I actually I can't really say much about it. I I, I butcher the explanation of it. Um, but then Nomad Land, which was adapted from uh, the the book, like we talked about. Borat, which is odd that it's nominated for best screenplay because most of the scenes are improvised. Yeah. And- It's also extremely odd because there are like 10 different credited writers on it. Interesting. Yeah, that, you know, normally it's like one or two people. Um, Sometimes a little more, but I've never seen a movie with 10 different writers. Um, Although sometimes that happens. It's just no one, not that many people end up getting the credit because when a studio has a movie, they hire, you know, they can hire a bunch of different people to do rewrites. Like Aaron Sorkin, has done rewrites for a few movies that he didn't get credit for. Like, you know, one big example is the movie, the rock with Sean Connery, Nicholas cage. He did a rewrite of that, but he, he didn't get credit for it.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Um, but then the last movie is the father, which is adapted from the stage play that the guy who directed the father wrote and directed. Um, I don't think he's the greatest of titles because they just announced that he has another movie coming out that, and they cast Hugh Jackman in it, and it's going to be called The Sun. So, <laughs>
0: I sense a theme.
1: That is, and that is not a joke.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fast forward, it's like the great great grandson.
1: <laughs> well, you no. Know, so you, it could go two ways. It could, you know, it could next could be the grandson, or it could be the Holy Spirit. <laughs>
0: I hope for the latter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's,
1: that's awesome. My my bet is that the father is going to win. But what do, what is Holly or what do, what do the odds tell us there?
0: The odds say uh, it's going to be a fairly close one there. land with the the favorite, but father uh, the father is a a fairly close second, and Borat sliding behind them there at number three. Night in Miami. <laughs> uh in four and white tiger and five but uh both of those last two are are further down the list and our research assistant just got back to us jim brown is the other uh african-american oh, right. yeah, yeah. that uh they're they have in there and then leslie odom jr from one night in miami for those who watched hamilton on oh, yeah. disney plus he played aaron burr uh so I, that was that's another one that i'm i'm putting in my list that i want to see but yeah nomadland is is a uh, is projected to take this one
1: well and uh you know in one night miami leslie odom jr sings uh some same book songs but then uh there's they're also that movie has a nominee for best original song which uh i don't really i don't really mess with those awards too much um but yeah they have a nominee for that um so yeah then let's uh let's talk original screenplay so I, I personally think this is a pretty stacked category. Um, we have Minari, we have Promise Young Woman, Try the Chicago 7, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Sound of Metal. So, you know, I liked all these movies, and I thought they all had very good scripts. Um, I would, pro- I, if I were ranking the the them on their scripts, I would probably put is at the bottom, but that's not a criticism of that at all. Um, I think this this one will come down to Promising Young Woman or Try Chicago 7. And I will say, <clears throat> um, I guess, what I think is really good about each of those in Try Chicago 7, you know, there's the, the famous Sorkin dialogue. But in addition, there's this opening sequence where he, he's just cutting from thing to thing to thing to thing. And to introduce us to all of the the, the main, all of the characters, like all the members of the Chicago Seven, because they're all, you know, different groups. So, you know, the way that he does that so quickly and efficiently is just, it's amazing. But then uh, with Promising Young Woman, you know, that is is a very funny movie, even though it has a pretty dark subject matter. But it's very funny. It's great dialogue. And it does... uh, It's probably the best movie of the year in terms of kind of blending a few different genres. You know, at parts, there's like this kind of dark thriller element. But then there's also a big stretch of the movie where it's like a rom-com. So I think... And also, you know, since this is original screenplay, it has such an original premise that is something that I think, uh, you know, could really – is really in its favor. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those two. What's – what are the odds? Yeah,
0: Vegas has them uh, pretty much, uh, just like you said, so Promising Young Woman with a slight nod there, Trial of the Chicago 7 in a close second, and then uh, Minari is pretty far back, and then actually Judas and the Black Messiah and Sound of Metal are tied. Uh, but yeah. pretty pretty far back there. So, um, yeah, promising young woman or or uh, Trial of Chicago Seven as as one and two in that order. So see there, like, you know, I told you guys at the beginning. Kevin uh, Kevin knows his stuff, and you are you are showing up here, Kevin, almost exactly with uh, where Vegas is. But uh, you know, you have enough that are different. To know that you didn't just, you know, pull the, pull it off Vegas. You actually, uh, you actually know your stuff.
1: Well, uh, you know, let's let, let's get into the the big the big one then. Yeah.
0: So uh, we've been building up, Kev. We've been building up to all this. We've been talking about all these movies, uh, looking at, you know, to to go back through the the movies that you you mentioned earlier that were going to be up for Best Picture. We've talked about all of them now. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what, what is your take here on, on the best picture, the, the big one?
1: So, you know, if I had to kind of group them, I, 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 I did, I'd put them into four different groups. And so, you know, I'll go in kind of reverse order in last place. If I, and that's the thing that about best picture, you actually, the voters, it's not just, you don't just pick one, you rank all of them. Okay. And so. Yeah, so you rank all of them and they have this really funky way of preferential, it's called preferential balloting and determining what wins. And so they do a first a first view of the ballots and if one movie gets the majority of the first place votes, that wins best picture. But okay. if it doesn't, What they do then is they take whatever movie has the least first place votes and throws that out. And instead, those first place votes for that or whatever second place in those people's ballots, that becomes a first place vote. And so that process keeps going until they get to uh, a movie that has that gets a majority of the first place votes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not necessarily which movie actually people, you know, the most people want to win. It's a lot of times it's, you know, which movie is a lot of people's second choice on the ballot.
0: Okay. Okay. So you start filling out like number, t- you know, nine, eight, seven. And then at that point, I only have, yeah, I don't remember how many total there were. Um, one two three four, five six eight. So like yeah, you start kicking out three or four. Now I only really have four movies to vote on. Is that what you're? No. Do they actually vote again, or do they just do all this on no, the no, back no. end with the ballot? No no no.
1: It's all on the back end. They okay, actually, okay. uh, Price Waterhouse Cooper does all the tabulations and stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah. So it, it, it ends up that. You know, there's however many rounds of this, so you know, at most there could be seven rounds of this, but you know, probably probably be like three rounds, I guess. Sure. Um, so, you know, at the at the bottom of the pile, I have Mank, which was 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 an okay movie. Um, it just, you know, it just wasn't that great. Um, then uh, in the next group, I have in like seventh place, I have Nomad Nomadland, the sixth place, I have Judas and the Black Messiah. They're both pretty good movies, but I, I found that, uh, you know, and we're picking amongst what are supposedly the eight best movies of the year. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you know, these are pretty good movies, but they're like Jews and the Black side had points where it was a little slow. Um, Land also kind of had points where it was a little slow. And I, the whole, like, there were times that it just seemed like, you know, it's just like almost we're interviewing a bunch of people and putting it together and making it as a movie. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, in both those movies, there's, there's phenomenal sequences. Like in Judas and Black Messiah, there's this point where Fred Hampton is giving this big speech and it's, you know, it's amazing. Um, then the next grouping of, is, uh, my fourth and fifth and in fifth, I've Chicago seven and in fourth, I have Minari. And I like both those movies a lot. I thought they were very good. Um, but they just, you know, they just, they just weren't quite as good as my top three. And so in my top three, in third place, I had The Father, which, you know, very, very affecting but sad movie. Second was Sound of Metal, which I thought was just so fascinating to watch this, this you know, lead character's journey of having to, to deal with becoming deaf. And then I thought the best movie of the year was Promising Young Woman. And I will tell you, This movie was supposed to come out in March of 2020, but uh, it did not because of the pandemic. And I knew about it then, and I was like, I'd seen a trailer, and I thought, oh, this is awesome. I can't wait to see this. And so it got pushed back for months and months, and it didn't come out until Christmas Day. And so I went to see it in theaters on Christmas Day, and it was amazing.
0: Nice. Well, there it is. Kevin's pick, promising yeah.
1: young woman. We'll see. But, but here's here's what's going to happen. <laughs> it's it's not going to win. <laughs> um, unfortunately, no. And unfortunately, it's not like there's not a lot of drama this year in what's going to win Best Picture. Nomadland is going to win Best Picture. It's kind of won almost all the precursor awards. Uh, I think there's been kind of like a last minute push where some people think trial of Chicago seven has an outside shot at winning. So that would kind of be like your, if you're picking a spoiler, you'd pick that. But the thing with like a Promising young woman, is it just kind of, there's a lot of people that really liked it, but there's also, it just kind of divided people in a way where, you know, the ending is kind of a twist and a lot, some people did not didn't like the twist. And so, you know, when you have a, a movie like that, that has an interesting premise and is, you know, kind of out there, it, if it, even if it works for you, there's some people that it doesn't work for. And so you get divide. Um, but that's, I mean, that's one of the cool things about movies too. You know, there's no one looking at all these movies. None of them are any movie that you'd say like, you know, that's a bad movie, but there's people that would say it and be like, well, that didn't really do it for me. It's just cause you know, these, these movies kind of hit people differently well sure and i think
0: that's one of the cool things about about it. i mean any any version of entertainment but i think movies can do something special uh for people but you know based off of your own experiences based off of maybe shared experiences with others maybe based off of perception you know different movies hit different ways uh and so th- that's that is one of the really cool things about it you know I will always be drawn to like mafia style movies because of the, the history of the mafia in Youngstown. And so there's always that mm-hmm. little bit of a local tie um, that is, that is always interesting. So, you know, uh, that, that's, you know, if you're talking about, you know, a lot of these movies that are, are either based on or loosely based on, you know, real events, real people, real things, you know, based off of your experience with those real things, or some of the players or some of the ideas, you know, yeah, you're going to you're going to swing one way or another on it. Um, so that it, but I think that also is a cool part of it, that it isn't just, you know, and the movies I'm often drawn to are just like dumb comedies. But, you know, these kind of movies, they make you stop. They make you think they make you reflect um, and and kind of like, oh, that's a that's a part of the story that maybe I didn't know. Or mm-hmm. didn't you know background things that that weren't right out in front, or maybe it's something that's brand new you had no idea existed. Uh, so that's that's always I think a cool thing about some of these. I think you know more serious movies. Uh, you know you don't see Borat in this list.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but people thought it might it had a shot, um, and it kind of did. is sure. You know it's yeah. You know a lot of it is like you know how you how you perceive the world and how you see things like and it is cool that uh you know this year there's there's a lot of diversity in stories and like you know you get to see kind of worlds that aren't really you know something that you know a lot about like um you know i guess a a good example is like you know sound of metal that that the whole depth there's a you know there's a large portion of the world that that is deaf and so you know there's there's parts where there's like kind of deaf communities like that but then uh you know another example minari um you know the story of a, a korean immigrant family in the 80s is you know not something that you or i you know whatever it's just not in our our worldview but it's interesting to sure. see you know the but the, this interesting to see I guess almost the kind of the commonalities that you know you share and things in your life that are similar that you just didn't know. Um, so yeah, it's I don't know. I, I think it was a great year for movies, um, and I think you know there's uh, just more and more potential. I especially now that you know movies movie theaters are going to start opening back up. I think next year is going to be great or Well, this year we're now is going to be great too. There's going to be some, you know, potentially there could be some big blockbusters that kind of are in the Oscars discussion next year. Who knows?
0: Yeah, you know, you have the movies movies that were planned to come out this year, plus the movies that were planned to come out last year that held on. So, yeah, next year is going to be stacked. Um, But just to uh, circle back here real quick, Vegas odds agree with you. Um, not in the not in Promising Young Woman, the, but the movie you think is actually going to win with No Bad Land, um, and then Trial of Chicago Seven uh, at, at a close number two, uh, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sound of Metal, and The Father to round out that list. So we'll see. Um, you know, there, Kevin, appreciate you uh, coming on here, giving us the rundown uh, for this this Oscars. That we're going to be watching on Sunday. Uh, I will be I will be tuning in for sure to see, you know, now that I know a little bit more about these uh, about these films, about these actors and actresses, uh, some of the the storylines going on here. I'm uh, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, we'll we'll see if we get a a big surprise. I I think we'll get something that'll make it worth watching.
0: So yeah, and those of you who are looking to to place the bets you know, who live in those uh those those areas of, of legal gambling. Uh you know, hey, Kevin uh Kevin knows his stuff. And if you lose money, it's Kevin's fault. And uh, don't forget that.
1: That's true. I'm not betting. <laughs> I I you call me a purist. <laughs> We're keeping I'm the money sure out of it. it. I'm here for the love of the game. <laughs> All well, right. But this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh,
0: absolutely. Always good on the Frosty Live tour to start out in Cleveland with you, Kev. We will be uh back in the near future. Uh obviously pandemic related uh delays will be in effect, but We'll try to get a few of these out. I Last time uh, we put out an episode, it was like we were going to do this weekly, and that was like a month and a half ago. So definitely not weekly, but they'll come out at some, <laughs> uh, some, some frequency. Uh, but, hey, you get what you get. Uh, but that'll do it. Uh, on, <laughs> that'll do it for us here today. Uh, so on behalf of your... Absentee co-host Tony Peretti. I'm Derek Frost. Special thank you to Kevin Hewlett for joining us this week. Well, I you
1: just want to say, uh yeah. Wh- yeah, where where is Peretti? I thought he was like king of the cinema.
0: Yeah, no, he
1: thought, uh, you know he talks about crunch and tape. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of tape for crunch this year.
0: No, no. So Tony only watches superhero movies and sports movies. That's it. That is that is the only genre he knows anything about. And <laughs> neither uh of those genres really showed up here. So that's uh that's all he's got.
1: Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's
0: he's a one trick pony.
1: We all have our lanes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Tony knows his and he stays in it uh and is an absentee co host, so whatever <laughs> <laughs> All right, that'll do it. Uh, Thank you for listening. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, Spotify. And I think, I don't know, I get some stats that were on some other platforms, too, that I don't know about. So uh, however you listen, thank you for listening. And with that, Vince, take it away.